Welcome to the Empower Hour, where we believe that even the most encouraged person can still use a little bit of encouragement in their day to day. Life is this exciting yet hard thing that we are all navigating together. My heart is that we can sit together and have conversations about real life content, things we are all experiencing and going through. I want to bring hope in the hard topics, bring encouragement in your brave moments, and most importantly, we can have some fun. This is the Empower Hour. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Empower Hour, our first Coffee with Kelty edition. I am thrilled that you are here with me today and just really excited for the content that you are about to hear. If you did not know, we were able to have the Living In Conference finally after two years in the making on April 9th and it did not disappoint. We had 51 ladies there who were just ready to connect with each other have some coffee, have some brunch, and just to hear all about friendship. And the speakers did exactly that. They were phenomenal in just really diving deep into what friendship looks like, what it means to be together in community, and how we are better together. And I just really loved my conversation with Stacy. Sikorsky and Amy Robertson. And we have had this live podcast planned for over two years now and have just been on the edge of our seats, just ready to talk with you about what friendship looks like and diving deep into some of these harder topics of what does it look like when you are going through life together and navigating different seasons where one person is starting to have a family and focusing on that and the other is going to grad school, launching the career and single? And how do you continue to navigate friendship when you're going through those different life chapters? And also, what does it look like to have grace in friendship? What does it look like when you're navigating jealousy towards, wow, she has everything that I want and it comes so easy to her and I want to be her cheerleader, but I'm struggling internally. So we just talked about all of it. And I'm really excited to be able to share that conversation with you today. We had it recorded. We are ready for you to hear it. And I just hope that you listen to this conversation and just get a little bit of encouragement and just inspiration too into how you want to be moving forward in your friendships. And if there's any areas or relationships in your life right now that you're like, you know, after hearing that, I think I need to do some work in this, or I need to kind of reevaluate what I'm looking for in my friendships. It's just such an authentic and real conversation, and I'm so excited for you to listen. I would just love for you guys to start us off by just introducing who you are and a little bit more background than I gave. And we're just going to jump in and have a fantastic conversation. I know it'll be funny and I know it'll be authentic. All in one, two for one. So we'll just dive in. Okay, I'll go. We might do this a lot. You want it? You want it? You want it? Okay. Uh, Stacy Sikorsky. Um, uh, little background. I went to North Central University as well um, and um, then went on and got my master's in social work. And I've had the a beautiful privilege of being able to work in a lot of settings, which is I'm very passionate about social work. And that's what I love about it is that you can um, work in a lot of settings. So I've done schools, uh, drug and alcohol rehab, um, child welfare, 
um, worked in a church setting as a school principal of a Christian school in the inner city of Chicago for a while. So just lots of different things. And as McKelty said, um, and I just was, I was at North Central for the last six years in a couple different capacities and then just took a job. Um, it's been about nine months now um, overseeing, um, it's like the second largest foster care and adoption agency in Minnesota. Um, we, are, we are statewide, so I have staff in the entire state and it's a huge job, but I absolutely love it. Love it, love it, love it. I have the best boss in the entire world um, just because I think she's amazing. I recently went on vacation and um, I checked into an all-inclusive resort in Mexico for them to say, um, you've been gifted a day at the spa tomorrow. Your boss found out where you're at and she called and paid for a day at the spa. Cue the tears, that's all I can say. So um, I'm married, I've been married for, it'll be 20 years next month. Um, my husband is a full-time faculty at North Central. I have two kids, 17 and 13. Um, and um, yeah, I li just live in life. So <laughs> I also forgot to mention you have your LICSW, oh, yep. which is a huge accomplishment. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yes, thank you. That was good. Thanks for going first. We did talk about which where we would sit because of our outfits. We thought I was going <laughs> to provide the neutral palette. That is Amy. That is all Amy. So, She's like, where are we sitting? Then they won't She's clash. She's the queen of planning anything. <laughs> so it's perfect. So um, yeah, so I'm Amy Robertson, and it's just a pleasure to be here today. It's a lot of fun. Um, professionally speaking, you know, and I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but I like to refer to life in chapters. And when I was younger, I, I think I was a little embarrassed by my professional um, journey because I felt like it looked like I had figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up because I always, you know, I have done a lot of different things. I have a whole career in long-term care, uh, working with older adults and marketing and this kind of thing. And I have a whole other career in higher education and it just goes back and forth. I just, they just, I just pick up the phone. They call me and say, come. And so I, and I'm like, okay, I'm up for change. Uh, but anyway, so I have these two, uh, these two pillars to my career, which means I love working with college people and I love working with older adults, <laughs> I guess. Um, and I like variety and change. And so currently at North Central, my role, um, I've been in this chapter at North Central. I've been back for six years at, at North Central. I worked for three years as the director of alumni relations, which was super fun because my family's three generations at North Central. And so I know a lot of alumni from a lot of eras and I'm big on nostalgia. And, uh, and then um, the last three years, I've been the executive director of advancement. So overseeing all fundraising efforts and things like um, external relations. I'm on a few boards for downtown Minneapolis because I represent the university in that way. And, um, and alumni relations still falls in that. So I get to play. I still get to play with the alumni. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and in terms of my family, I've been married. It'll be 23 years next month. And um, my husband, Jordan, actually, interestingly enough, my husband, Jordan, also works at North Central. He's an executive director as well. Um, he's the executive director of operations. So we always say that um, I raise the money and he spends it. And so <laughs> that works well. And we do talk shop at home. I mean, very often I'm like, well, what do you think in the roof? What are they saying the roof's going to come in at? All right, we're going to have to raise another million. Okay, come on. You know, or I'm like, no, 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 I can't cut that out. I don't want to spend that. You know, we have those conversations. It's very, it's very efficient for the university. I don't think they realize that. No, 
But um, but anyway, yeah. So we're um, we're all things North Central, and my daughter. We have two kids. My daughter Maddie is 19. She's currently a freshman in North Central. My son Jack is 16, and he will be a full-time PSEO student at North Central next year. Um, my dad's also an adjunct at North Central right now. My nephew's the locksmith. My niece works there and is a student. <laughs> I'm it's not a even kidding. You can't get out of. It's it a really family. Is. It's a family. I very often refer to North Central as the personified fifth member of our family. Um, but and I should mention, I also teach there. So um, I'm a faculty member for our College of Business and Technology. This is my second year teaching for them, and uh, so I teach advanced down profit management occasionally. That's a senior level class that happens every other year, and then I teach every semester now um, a career seminar, which is a really great freshman level class that's all things like interview prep, resume prep how to literally physically walk in and shake a person's hand and how to conduct yourself in a meeting. All the things you desperately wish young people knew these days, I'm teaching them. And it's just going to take me time. I have 30 students at a time. So <laughs> I'm changing the world, 30 students at a time. So you're welcome. <laughs> I love it. Well, I am so glad you're here. And one of the reasons that I asked you guys to, to help me with this two years ago was because I know that you both have, you've been friends for a while, and I'm not going to give any timelines here, but yeah. <laughs> and um, you've also had so many, you've moved to different states and really focusing on what does that look like in a friendship? And so I don't know if one of you or both of you wanted to share, what does your friendship look like throughout the years? And just kind of talk about you guys for a minute and just really focusing on yeah, what has that been to have there been really great seasons and seasons where like, we didn't talk for like a year and what does that look like? So just share from that. Sure. So I think that friendships in general, um, they, they normally start because of proximity, right? And so uh, there's actually lots of articles and research and stuff about that. The majority of friendships, um, like long lasting forever and ever and ever friendships, a lot of them end by the time you're done in college because of proximity. Um, that doesn't mean you don't, like some of you might be sitting next to one of your best girlfriends that you just met like four years ago or even a year ago. And I totally understand that. But the majority, it kind of ends by the time you're done with college just because of proximity. And so I think, um, so Amy and I have known each other for a very long time. Um, and our families have known of each other for even longer than that. And then because of proximity, because of North Central, which you're going to hear us probably say a lot, um, uh, then our friendship began to develop even more. But then when when college and our dads pastored um, in a twin city, so kind of like St. Paul, Minneapolis, ours was Urbana and Champaign. And so her dad was the pastor at the Assemblies of God Church in Champaign. And my dad was the pastor of the Assemblies of God Church in Urbana. And I had a car. And so when she needed to go home for school breaks, then she would ride with me. Um, and so um, our friendship developed even more then. But then when I, when school was done, there was a long period of time where, you know, Probably we decades. were, yeah, yeah like decades where we still, you know, if we saw each other, we were very excited and connected and things like that. But I think proximity has a lot to do with it. And I think even just me leaving North Central, um, it's like shifted our friendship again, because I would see her every single day or um, her, like I just a Facebook memory came up yesterday where her husband has keys to everyone's office. And I walked into my office a year ago yesterday to tulips, my favorite creamer and a card. Um, 
Well, I mean, she can't really get into my house to leave me tulips, <laughs> creamer, and a card. Um, you know, and so like our friendship is now shifting again just right. because of proximity. So um, I think there's like, all, there's always been a connection, but I, I think that's normal. There's a normalcy of when there's, you know, seasons where you're not mm-hmm. seeing each other every single day that it's going to kind of shift in some of those, in some of that relationship. Which I'm not happy about, by the way. Um, <laughs> at all. No, um, and that's true. You know, we, when she, her, her husband was looking for a position back here, they were in another state, and he was looking to teach here. I began to recruit Stacy. Um, I do that, by the way. So if you're looking for a job, get to know me. Um, <laughs> I already did it to one person in the lobby, but <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, we, I just said, let's have coffee. There's a position. What do you think? Let's talk about it. And that's how she became the PSO coordinator at North Central, um, which was the beginning of that chapter for you. And um, we absolutely have so much fun working together, though. Um, for one thing, because we were, um, we're both really, really high capacity producers at work. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way, but, but you'll understand it. If you're one of those people, you could sniff out the ones that are not effortlessly and you gravitate towards the ones that carry the load. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, we can do killer work together. There's two of us now we've like multiplied. And so we were like that. And so the first, it was the 2016 homecoming. It was going to be my first homecoming for North central. And I was like, I'm planning this thing. And it's like a three day thing. It was nuts. It was way too big. But anyway, I didn't know that at the time. And so I was like, Stacy, do you want to do it with me? And she's like, I love to throw a party, you know, and that's what it felt like. And, and then basically I was like, so I don't ever want to do homecoming without you ever again. And, and from there we began this event plan. Like we love to do events together, all these things together. And so we were professional friends. We were already friends with this history, but we had this immense mutual respect in the workplace. And so if there was a, and we would brainstorm with each other, she'd be like, well, I've got this thing going on. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, what? I'm like, what about pine cones? What about this? You know, or whatever. And, you know, and, oh, I love that theme, you know, and we would do this and we'd be like, okay, we'll build a Pinterest board, you know, and we would do this stuff together and I'd help her with her events. She'd help with me in my events. Uh, And at the same time, we'd be in big meetings. And I, I still laugh about one large meeting that we're both, we were both on the president's council and. Um, you know, it's a pretty lengthy meeting that would happen every couple of weeks. And when it was, we were back on campus, but we couldn't gather yet. So we'd have to be on Zoom because it was too big a meeting. And so I'd be in my office, my Zoom station, all set up with the snacks and the lotion and all that you can't see on the camera. And she'd be in her office. And then immediately, as soon as the meeting ended, knock on my door. Here's Stacey. She's in my office. Okay, so what'd you think about so-and-so and this and that? Yeah. And, and, and the first one that happened after she left, I was like, there's no knock on my door. Oh, Stacy's gone. And I took a picture of my Zoom station and I was like, well, I just had a Zoom call. You weren't there. So there's those friendships in work that where you have this professional mutual respect for the way that you work. Those are a really good kind of friendship. Yeah. And now though, we, when, you know, when she was going to be leaving, you know, of course, because she's my friend, I'm fully in support of what she wants to do. And it's just, it's just such a great fit and such a great chapter. But we were like, so we're going to have to have lunches once a month. Let's get it on the calendar. So you had to be intentional. Um, and that's what I say with a lot of people when they move on. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm less sentimental when people move on from work because I've done it plenty. I'm like, oh, it's okay. I've worked here three times. You'll be back. You know, it's fine. It's fine. And so, you know, but I just say, okay, well, so now we just can be friends. Let's just be friends. You know, now we're not just coworkers. We're just friends again. So now we're friends again. 
But I appreciate you bringing that up because I completely agree. I think so much of it is your proximity and so much of it can sometimes be convenience as that's not the exciting word for it. But if you're at a job, it's like your job are those people become like your besties. You see them every day. You go out for dinner after or get coffee. And then when you move on from that job, you're like, okay, now what does this look like for us? And I appreciate you saying that. Like, it's just going to look different because I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel a lot of guilt when I am, you know, having friends move away. College especially is super hard or just when a friend moves out of the state because you you try to keep it what it was and you kind of have to grieve that. You have to grieve that this is going to look different and that's okay. It doesn't mean I love you any less. It doesn't mean I care about you any less, but what does that what does that mean? So I appreciate sometimes the permission to say this is just going to be different and that's okay. We can still be friends. We can still see each other and that's fine. I think um, I think we have to give our per- ourselves permission to recognize that there's seasons um, and just to have that mindset of um, that that was a season and it doesn't mean that your feelings for them are any different um, but that um, you know there's there's seasons you know, um, in life, in a lot of things. And I don't think friendships are any different. Um, there's seasons where you see each other every day and you're texting constantly and all that kind of stuff. And then now we've just stepped into a new season. And I think, I think it's good just to recognize it and call it what it is. And, um, and then also then to not allow your mind to start, um, playing tricks on you or saying, um, you know, um, oh, Amy doesn't text me every day, or, well, I'm not texting her every day either, you know? I mean, you know, um, I haven't seen, Amy and I haven't gotten, you know, coffee or lunch in a couple months. Well, it's been a super busy season for me. Um, And we both just did um, anniversary vacations, you know? I mean, you know, and so not to let your mind start going into a space that's not true and accurate, I think is just really important. Um, Just to call it what it is, and you can sit in that grief and say, that's that's really sad. Like, oh, that season has ended, but it doesn't mean the friendship is totally gone. Now, sometimes friendships do need to end. And I think that's one of your questions a little bit later. But um, just to recognize what it is and call it what it is. I'm wondering if you guys could talk more a little bit on that. Because like you said, you have everyone goes through different seasons of life because college, I was with my BFFs every day. They were a dorm away and we got to hang out. And then all of a sudden, okay, now we're going into the real world and, you know, we're getting jobs. Okay. Now you just got married, but I'm single. I'm going to go back to school and get a career, but now you're having kids. And so everybody can kind of goes through different seasons. And how have you guys communicated with your friends about that and come up with a plan? Have you found it to be really easy just to shift through different seasons together and just figure it out? Or has there been conflict and communication you've had to have? You know, I think that when I was just graduating, nobody told me, nobody prepared me for any of this stuff. Nobody told me about it. Nobody told me that any of this happens. And I don't feel like people, I try to talk in chapters and seasons to my students all the time um, because I really think that school and college, we, we really perpetuate an idea that's not true in that. I, and I try to do this with my students because they're like, I'm here for four years. I'm here to figure out what I'm going to be. What's the thing I'm going to be? And I'm like, how many people do you know have had one job their entire life? Like one person and they're exactly, exactly. Other than Leary Bach. And so, um, but honestly that doesn't happen anymore. And so 
you know, we try to explore, like, let's figure out different parts of you. Okay, you might, you know, because my students, they do these strengths finders, and they go, I don't know, it says I could be this or this, and they're totally different. And I'm like, so you might be both of those things at some point. But, but and then they're like, so I should do them at the same time? I'm like, no, no, no. You don't have to be all of them at once. You're going to have years ahead. And it's the same thing with friendships. I, no one told me any of this stuff. And so what I do remember early on in marriage was, I remember thinking of college as like this. I loved college, loved college, but it was sort of like the jumping off point and I couldn't wait for it. And I was like, who am I going to become? You know, you're all aspirational. And, and thinking about what that, I imagined it literally like a jumping off point or like a diving board. And I'm going to jump into my life. And so up until this point, everything has been told to me, you're going to go to fifth grade and then sixth grade and then seventh grade. And then you go to high school or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then it was like a blank slate. And I was so excited and I was going to finish my degree and get married and have kids and just work. And there'll be no homework involved, you know, and that was wonderful. And I'm going to free read, I'm going to read whatever I want. And nobody can tell me what to read, which I love. I'm still a little bit that way. Um, but no one told me, so, you know, first of all, you're not just going to get the job and do that one job, and that's your whole life stretched out before you. But also, where did those people go? I was just here with in the dorms, and I was, it's like you blinked and everybody fled, you know, it was like graduation, the flee, and everybody's all over the world, and no one prepared me for like, well, she lives in New Orleans now. You know, my childhood best friend uh, Christy, who we were best friends since kindergarten in second grade, we planned to be roommates at North central and we were cause we're planners. Right. And, um, we were roommates at North central. Still remember the day we moved in. Well, you know, she's got a year. I was a year ahead of her, this, that, and the other. And, and I'm like, you're dating who I heard about the person that she got engaged to from someone else before her. And I was like, there's no way she's engaged to him. I would know if that was the case. Oh no, she was engaged. It was my best friend. You know what I mean? But see, we're all beginning these different chapters. And so when graduation happened and I got married and I'm, you know, living in an apartment with my husband and it was sort of like, where are my friends? I mean, I had a couple friends still around that, that were still like in town at my church, but not my closest friends. And I do remember feeling a little blindsided finding myself in this place. Like, well, where, you know, oh, there's my sister. She's here, you know, but it was just not the same. And I, and I remember being a little shocked by that. And I do remember the challenge of realizing, well, I had guy friends before I got married and I can't really be friends with them now, not in the way that I was. And so that was just what we had, my husband and I had agreed this is how we were going to function in our marriage. And so I remember being like, oh, I can't really be chums with that guy like I used to be because that would be inappropriate. And so there was a little bit of a feeling there too, like another loss. It felt like a little bit of a mourning of a loss and, and no one prepared me for that. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I try to tell students about these kinds of things now, but you get a lot of unsolicited advice early in your years, but there's some things I'm like, for all the stuff they told me about diapers and about laundry and whatever else, how come nobody talked about that? Um, and so I think that it's just something that's not talked about as much. What about you, Stacey? What's that look like for you? Um, well, I, my background is in social work and clinical um, mental health. And so uh, something that I often think about is what we talk about in the field are friendship circles. Um, or um, if you just want to think about a mountain. So put a picture of a mountain and you're at the very top of the mountain. And right below you is maybe like two or three people max. And then um, as you go down the mountain, more and more and more people fill in. Um, it's the same idea with friendship circles. That middle ring is like you, and then the next ring is like two people, and the next ring might have five, and the next ring, and it goes on. 
Um, so when I think about like the seasons and shifts and change and things like that, I just remember that um, in the circle or on the mountain, the people that are the closest to me, um, they really probably don't move much, right? They're kind of the constant and that upper part of your mountain is what you should spend typically, and you do about 80% of your time with those people, and the other 20% of your time is with the rest of the mountain. And the rest of the people on the mountain shift and change, it ebbs and flows, and I think it's because of the proximity, I think it's because of your season, I think it's because of their season. I can't say I've ever like had a conversation with somebody that's like, Hey, I feel like our season maybe is changing. Like, I don't, I, that's, I've never like had that, do but, that. <laughs> but that's like, that's, I mean, that's not me either, but I think for myself, it's just like, a, I rec, I just recognize it. I recognize, um, and I think it's just that internal dialogue of, um, my husband often says, don't, it's not weird unless you make it weird. So just don't make it weird, you know? And so like, um, it, just recognizing that that season maybe is done or that, or that season is shifted and changed, but it doesn't mean that the love or the care or the history is gone. And so for me, I think it's just always like an internal dialogue. Um, and I can share, um, uh, there, a friend of mine, a person that I met, I met in the midst of a really um, bad medical crisis that she had with her, um, with her son who was born. And, um, I became for her for seven years, a person that she could literally say the most horrible or, um, vulnerable thing about her feelings about having this very, um, medical, um, fragile child. And I became that person for her. And, um, I would go and stay with her, um, when she needed extra support in, in her home. Um, I sent all of my clothes from my son to her so that they didn't have to buy any clothes. I mean, it was seven years of this very intense season with this person. And her son, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago at the age of seven. Um, and um, I was there when he, when he passed and was there for several days after as we were planning things and everything. Um, and then something shifted. And for a long time, I was like, am I the rudest person in the world and have no heart because I can't sit with her in her grief? Or I don't know what she needs? Or because when I text her, I don't get anything back for two weeks and it's just because she's grieving her son? Like, what is it? And I, no joke, I bet it was probably a solid year of me just like this internal dialogue of is it me, what is it? You know, until I realized my season was during her son's life. She had other people that came into her life during his during her grief, and not that her grief is over, it still goes on, but um, it, during those intense times, that wasn't my role. For some reason, that's not what the Lord had for us in that season. Um, but I just had coffee with her last Friday, and we spent two and a half hours, and it was like nothing had changed. Now, if I would have made it weird and been like, okay, I'm just not going to talk to her anymore, you know, whatever, then I yeah. would have made it weird. Then that would have been on me. But it was just that recognition of my season was this for her. 
my season wasn't this for her. And then like being okay with that. Um, and then, you know, us, you know, kind of reconnecting after two and a half years, mostly because of COVID. So, but yeah, anyways. And I think off of that too, there's still ways to have that subtle conversation without making it weird too, where it's like having the ability to be like, you know what, just the constant affirmation. I'm not to pick on my friend Whitney here, but she's in the back, that beautiful lady back there. But we have been, she's been all over the country with job and traveling. And we were both the so busy in school. And it was this constant conversation of, hey, I still love you and we can get together and have a five hour conversation over coffee and that we're good. I'll see you next year. See you six months. And, you know, and like trying to plan out Zoom meetings. And I think sometimes you can verbalize that like, hey, I know we don't get to see each other as often. And sometimes that just has like this affirmation for the other person who might be feeling a little insecure and might be concerned of. Are, are you mad at me? Like, are you, are you purposefully avoiding me? And just to say, wow, I know we're so busy right now. I am so excited for what you have going on in your life. And I've got all of this, but look at how we can still be friends and that's okay. And just to verbalize that. So nobody feels that internal pressure because I'm, I am that person. I have been a, I would be the, the planner. I would plan all of my friends' birthday parties for them. And I loved doing that. And then I became a mom and I'm like, I don't have that capacity anymore. And, and, and I felt guilt. I felt like this is the role I should be in. I should be this friend for you. And just to say, hey, I'm sorry. And just verbalize it. So sometimes I think there's that way we can do it and not make it weird. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And so kind of going off of, you started talking about the friendship circle and I, I really love that analogy. Have you guys found that there's kind of the concept of having like a lot of friends where it can be more of the surface or a few friends and be deeper relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear of your experience with friendships and how you maybe came to the reality mm -hmm. of what you needed. And maybe I just need a few close friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's been real clear for me. I, funny story. I remember from college, um, the first week of freshman year, I remember walking down the hall and it was like, it must've been a passing period because the hall was full of people. And there was this one kid walking and he was kind of full of bravado. He was a freshman also. He's a pastor kid from Iowa, Joel Scuddy, if you guys remember him. Big personality at the time. He got knocked down a little bit later. It was good for him. But he was walking down the hall and, and he, was, he was walking down the hall and, and he, I happened to be next to him as we're all moving in this huge sea of people. And he goes, and you know, freshman year, you're like, hey, to everybody, you're friends with everyone, right? Because you're all just excited and whatever. And we're saying hi, people, da, da, da. and he leans over to me and he goes, "Yeah, I bet by senior year we're gonna be friends with like five of these people." And we weren't friends, he and I. But I was like, "We." But anyway, um, you know. But here's the funny thing: he was totally right. And it was a natural thing that took place. Oddly enough, he was an usher in my wedding by senior year. But I told you, he got knocked down. It was good for him. Um, but so uh, it, he just needed that ego taken down a couple notches. But so I, I tell that to students now because I think people needlessly worry and labor over like trying to hold on to all the friendships and all the things. And I'm like, first of all, we're not wired that way. And seasons of life certainly are not wired for that. But also... <laughs> You, you seem to be pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. Are you getting anything back? And so for me, um, because of the demands of life and that kind of thing, I'm to a point where I'm, I, I sit down, some of my students, I had a student knock on my door who's, uh, she's going into her senior year. She's a marketing major. She's amazing. 
And she says, Professor Robertson, um, my academic advisor just told me that I need to, I gotta do less. And I said, she goes, can you? I said, do you need me to trim down your life? She's like, yeah, can you trim down my life? So I said, yeah, we'll whiteboard it on, come in, we'll make an appointment, we'll whiteboard it. We, we put her life in buckets and got it all trimmed down. And I said, we prioritized her time. And then I said, now I'm gonna teach you how to say no real nicely, but you're gonna do it. And so, uh, and that for me was the biggest thing. I work a lot and I have kids and I have a husband and a marriage I like to sustain. I also like to read and I need my own downtime. And, and she so, loved the puzzles. Oh, and my puzzles. Yeah, oh, we're both big. We're actually in a small group called the Puzzlers. But anyway. Um, That's a but true story. I'm, I always say I'm going to be an excellent old lady. I was going to say, like old ladies right yeah. here. We in puzzle training. and send pictures in once training. we finish a puzzle. Yeah. Weird. Oh, yeah. I'm like, look at this one I just got. Anyway, yes, that is my thing that I found is good for me. Because I'm super productive, I can't just sit still. I certainly can't just sit and watch a movie. So, But if I'm doing a puzzle, I got a little Netflix going on in my ears, I feel productive because I'm making something. Anyway, sidebar. But anyway, um, all that to say, I, I, my time is very valuable to me. And so I don't have time in my life for people that I don't have time in my life for. And so for me, my friendships, my closest friendships, I would say it's extremely small. Now, there are lots of people I am friends with. I'm friends with lots of people all over the nation. I love them. There's people that I haven't seen in person forever, and we can pick up like it was yesterday. But in terms of the people that I'm going to dedicate a Saturday night or a Friday night to, like give up that precious downtime to, it's probably like five, if not fewer. And, and, and I'm married. And so if we're going to do couples stuff, there's like two couples, maybe three, because we have to both like them. Right. You know, that's how that goes. If that's if my, hard, that's a whole nother topic. That's why there's only like three. If you can find a couple that you both like the people and you're, it's not like, oh, their parenting style makes me crazy. I can't, oh, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So that gets harder too. But so that's where it comes down to what you're getting out of French. I'm one of those people. Now there are people that are better people than me. Like I'll be like, they're way better than me. Cause I can't, they're pouring into those people and they're getting nothing back. I could not do that endlessly year after year. I'm not that good. Um, but there are people like that and they're very fulfilled by it. I'm not wired like that. I'm like, I need, I need to feel like there's a symbiotic relationship here. Um, I can't just be pouring out because I'm pouring out all day long in my job into people. So, um, yeah, so that's my narrowing process. I've got to like them. We got to be able to have a good conversation and we have to have similar values. I'm not going to tiptoe around people that have different values than me in my free time. I do that at work. No, I don't do that in North central. I do that in my other chapter <laughs> when I worked in long-term care all day long. You know what I mean? And so I'm not going to do that in my free time also. Um, I think, you know, I'm, um, I think different friends, like they do diff like there's different friendships do different things, right? Like I have friendships that are, um, I feel like I leave them and I am encouraged and, uh, feel like a better person because I was around them. I have other friends that I just laugh a ton with. I mean, I think, you know, there's different chemistry, you know, for different things. Um, and, um, but I would just say, I think, the friendship circle or the mountain thing is very accurate probably for all of us in the sense of you have a few that are super, super close and then you have, you know, different layers. Um, when I left um, North Central, I went from working um, in, you know, a college environment with people around me to I worked 
I work in my office at my home by myself. And it, if you know me, I am a people person. I get life from being around people. I thought in the first four months I was going to die um, because I am on Zoom all day. But I was super intentional where I had a coffee or a lunch date with somebody every single week. Um, and it was usually on Fridays because that's my no Zoom day. Um, and, uh, and I still do it. I did it yesterday. I met with somebody who um, I've known for years uh, yesterday, and we spent three hours together at a coffee shop. Um, I had to be intentional about, about making those connections. Um, that was for me. <laughs> I mean, I loved being with that person. I just needed another human <laughs> that I could like be with because I, I literally work from home every day. So, um, so I just think, again, this, the friendship circle, there's, a, there's some I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like for me to have uh, so many that I think it's really important to be your authentic self. And, and I don't know that with every friendship, let's be honest, you're not always your most authentic self with every single person you interact with, because I think different people do different things. I don't know if that sounds right. Like your true, most like vulnerable, authentic self you shouldn't do that to a hundred people. Like that's probably inappropriate. So it's a boundary pick, issue there. there's some boundaries. So pick those few people. And so I think that's for me, like my most vulnerable, authentic self is with a few people. And then it kind of goes out from there. I feel like I'm looking at the BTG people because Andy Andrews was at Thrive last year and said something. So tell me if I'm butchering it. But she said, Something about being transparent with many and authentic with few, a few. Something along those lines when she spoke about it. And you can be completely yourself. You can be transparent. You could be the honest you to every single person you meet. But who are the ones that are your people that you are authentic with, that you call when it's just been the worst day and you just need them to pour into you? Um, who are those people? And I am <laughs> notorious for... I, people used to say, McKelty, you have 50 best friends because I just was like overreaching myself and wanting so desperately to be catching up with everybody. And it was just, I'm not good at it because just last month, my husband, who does not have any problem just having like three people that are friends in his life, very opposite in that. But he goes, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're completely exhausted. You have so much going on. And now you have 50 coffee dates this week. And it was, and I think I'm lying. <laughs> and it was just, I was burnt out, but it was, it was the guilt of, I, they, they reached out to me. I have to say yes. They, they clearly need something and we got to sit and we got to do this. And to, it sometimes has to be this reoccurring moment where you stop yourself and say, okay, take a deep breath. What am I doing? Who, who, do, who really needs me right now? Who do I really need? Because friendship is a two-way street. And if there's someone in your life right now that you are just like, every time we're at coffee, they never ask about me. And it's always them. And I do think there's seasons where we just need to be the listening ear for our friends who are going through a lot. And sometimes we just have to be that person. But if it's a couple of years and you just feel like, huh, you know, what, what can we do to reevaluate this relationship? And it's okay to kind of take that step back and, and to say, you know, I just, I, I think I need a minute. I have a lot going on. And let's, I still care about you. doesn't mean I care about you less, but to have that space. Mm -hmm. There's something I, I think that applies here. You've mentioned guilt a few times. 
I struggle so, with it. Right. Yep. So let me help you. No, um, no, there's a, there's actually a ministry that I follow a nationwide ministry called birds on a wire moms and it's a mom's ministry, but there's a lot I take out of it that I end up using on my students. They don't even realize, but, um, there's something that she talks about, um, called false guilt that moms have false mom's guilt, you know, the mom's guilt, right? We, we feel like we're never enough. We're not doing enough, especially if we're working, we're not giving them enough. It, and, and here's the definition. If you're like, well, is this real guilt? Like, should I really be feeling this guilt or is this false guilt, which comes from the enemy, right? He's very good at keeping that on. Well, the way you figure that out is you go, have I sinned? Is there sin in this equation? Is there sin in this situation? Well, if there's no sin, then this is false guilt. Oh, well, then I'm going to toss that straight back out because that was the enemy tossing it in. I'm tossing it straight back out. So I think you have a huge amount of false guilt when it comes to your friendships. You can toss that right back out. And I think that's a big thing, too, for um, people who are in ministry, people who are pastors that feel like, oh, this is my job to be everyone's person. I, I signed up for this. I signed up to be their encourager and to be their guidance. But there's still things that you can do to be transparent with many and authentic with few and still finding who are those people in your life and you're going to get something. I love that you said that you're going to get something from different people. There are some people where I, when we get together, I can be my true self, but there are other people when I can just cry because I can't fit into my jeans this morning and I just need to cry it out. And so there's those different people in your life that have walked through different seasons of your life that might have a better understanding than the new friends coming in. So I love that you said that. Were you going to say something too, Stacey? Well, I was, Lauren and I, what is the book that we read that chapter five? The thing about the chair, right? Present over perfect. Yeah. Okay. Present over perfect. Great book. Shana Great Nequist. book. Shauna Nequist. So, um, Lauren and I worked together and we were reading that book over the summer and, um, then we would meet together during lunch and we would talk about a chapter. So we scheduled our time in, in the library to go and talk about chapter five. And I walked in and I was a hot mess. Chapter five, um, I'll be honest, the rest of the book I could have cared less about, but chapter five was what I needed to know. I mean, it's a great book. Sorry, Shauna can hear me somehow, but um, great book. But chapter five was what I needed. And, and there's this analogy of the chair. And so everything you say yes to in life, physically think about putting a chair out. So I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm an operations director, I volunteer at my church, I'm a friend, I'm a whatever. And you could put out a chair for everything you say yes to. You can only put out so many chairs because then what happens is you start um, you start getting angry about some of your yeses. And so it's that art of learning how to say no, like what Amy did with a student. And I think it's the same in friendships too. Like you can only say yes to so many things. Otherwise you start resenting your yeses. And then you're like, why did I say I'd go to coffee with them? I don't have time to go to coffee. And then you're going into that space with a negative mindset. And so um, my mantra for literally, this has been what, five years, I think since Lauren and I read that has been monitor your chairs, monitor your chairs for my birthday one year. Um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes Lauren would be like, put that chair away, Stace, don't say yes to that. Or I'd be like, Lauren, I need to talk because that was like a thing. I mean, it still is a thing for us. Like 
you know, this opportunity came or my husband will remind me and he'll be like, do you want to say yes to that? Because you need to monitor your chairs. Um, so for my birthday, she literally got me a miniature chair and it sits on my desk at work. And I've talked about monitoring your yeses, put the chairs away um, to other people. I've bought chairs. I did it for the um, North Central um, um, athletics department. And I, they, I could only find pink chairs at the dollar store. That would be really weird. So I spray painted them all North Central blue. They had them on their desks. But I think we need to do that as adults. Like we need to monitor our yeses, monitor our chairs. And I think it goes to the same thing with friendships. Like, you know, it might not just be that season or whatever for however many people you have at the top of your mountain. So that's good. So kind of switching gears a little bit into one of my favorite topics in the whole wide world, intimidation in comparison. But that is everywhere in friendships. I mean, it's natural and just everywhere in our being. When we walk into a room, we're instantly looking at everybody else there and like, oh, my hair is not as nice as hers. Oh, should I have worn this or that? You know, it's just everywhere. It stops us from moving forward and what we want to do and our hobbies and our career. So I'm just curious if you could speak to a little bit about what intimidation and comparison has looked like in maybe your friendships and also, like, what can we be doing to move past that in, in our friendships and to just be authentic and to be each other's cheerleaders? Well, I think, you know, when you presented the questions to us ahead of time for thought, um, you used the word jealousy, actually. Um, and as I thought about that, um, you asked us up here because we don't mince words, right? <laughs> um, so we do, we do this watering down of things a lot, especially in the world of women, where we're like, oh, I get the jealousies, you know, and, and we downplay what that is. So jealousy is sin, right? Jealousy is coveting. And it's not just sin, it's actually a commandment, right? It's a commandment. Coveting is a commandment. It is to not do it, by the way. <laughs> if you haven't read them lately, it's the not do one. Um, so <laughs> don't do that. Um, but that's what it is. And so I think that for any, you know, there's lots of different sins. We all struggle with different sins. But I think that if you're a person that finds that you struggle with jealousy, you need to be, first of all, spiritually honest with yourself about what you're, you're struggling with a sin, right? And so when we discover within ourselves that we are struggling with a sin, a spiritually mature person begins to work on that. You begin work on that. And that can look very different for different people, how you approach it. Um, I had, for an example, um, so I'm an Enneagram 6. Fear, right? So Enneagram 6s are your catastrophizers. Hi, people. Yeah. Got away from a few. Um, my, biggest, my biggest thing being that, uh, so an Enneagram 6's largest and biggest fear in life is the feeling of fear. Just the feeling of fear. It's not even a certain fear. It's the feeling of fear. And so I was really struggling with more than my usual Enneagram 6 fear over the last year with a lot of things going on in my life. And I realized that it was getting to a point where it was becoming crippling. Anxiety, panic attacks, the whole thing, which is not an unfamiliar territory for me in my life. And so I was talking to the Lord about it and sort of like, all right, what, this is getting out of control. We've got to deal with this. Like this is, this is getting into trust issues with you, Lord. Like I'm recognizing that my giving into this fear is my, honestly, it's my lack of trust in you. 
and it's and I had to go, well, it's not that I don't trust who you are as God. It's not that I don't fully believe in your power, in your abilities, in all of these things, you say, your ability to protect, what have you. But when it came right down to it, it was that I don't, I know that if I went through a scary, bad, awful thing, you fully have the power to restore me, to bring it all back around. I've had many close family and friends who've gone through things that are life scarring and yet the Lord has brought them through. And I was like, but I don't want to do that. I don't want it. I know you can, but I don't want it. I'm afraid of the going through process. I fully believe that you can restore me, but I don't even want to go through the journey. And so that was the root of my fear was my lack of trust in the Lord. And so what I had to do was I decided to take myself through a little muscle building, a little spiritual muscle building. And I got out the old Bible with the concordance, the big heavy one concordance in the back. And I was like, I'm going to put myself through a study on trust because that's obviously what I'm lacking. That's so with jealousy, you go, where's this really coming from? What's the root? In my case with fear, it was trust. And it was more than just being like, oh, Lord, I trust you. And I was like, there's a part of the Lord that I don't fully trust myself in his hands. And so I literally went through every single scripture that has a form of the word trust in it, trustworthy, trustness, trusted, you know. And I had my little prayer journal and I just did this over the course of a summer. I did not put rules on myself about I'm gonna do this for an hour every day or anything like that. I do two or three scriptures, but here's what happened. In the simplicity of sitting on my patio with my scripture, looking up the word trust, I would make my, I'd look it up and I'd go write that whole verse out in my journal. Now, there were many, many scriptures with the word trust that I had encountered many times in my life. But when I wrote it out and I sat there and I looked at it and I meditated on it nine times out of 10, the Lord illuminated something in that scripture in that moment that was that was applicable to what we were doing together, he and I. And so then I wrote those thoughts out. So that's a long exercise, right? I did it just here and there over the course of last summer. And I think the same is true with jealousy. We can say, I get the jealousies, or I feel that I look at social media and it makes me jealous and whatever, and we can downplay what that really is. But you're talking about playing with sin. So if you know that that's a trigger for you, what do we say about temptation, right? Do we get in there and wrestle with it? No, the scripture says flee temptation. You're supposed to flee it. So if jealousy is a major issue for you and social media is a major trigger for you, flee. You need to get off. You don't flirt with it. You need to do that. And this is building up your spiritual backbone. This is spiritual discipline 101, right? And then the Lord will do things in you and he will help you. Now, that doesn't sound fun at all, right? You're like, but it's my happy, fun place too. Well, really? But you're flirting with it, you know? So that's, sorry if I stepped on any toes, but that's my answer. <laughs> well, I like that you talk about finding the core issue. I'm a bit, you know, call me social worky, but like, okay, let's reflect Let's get to the core of what's going on. And I found that I can be a very jealous person when it comes to other people doing what I want to do. And that's where it gets for me, where it's like, oh, so she, she gets to do this and I get, and you know, I wish I could do that. That's where it's hard for me. And I realized I did the self-reflection and it was this lack of believing that it could happen for me. And which that is then a faith issue. And one time I was just like, oh, I just really want that to happen. God's like, well, you don't think I can do it? And I was like, oh, spicy today. 
And I was like, well, I do, but like, and then from processing that, I'm like, oh, it's an insecurity issue. Cause I believe you can do it, but can I do it? And then, oh, it just, you, you start to go down that cycle. And I know that's not the case for every jealousy in the relationship, but how do you, how do you still be your friend's biggest cheerleader, even when you're struggling with, oh, I wish I had what they had? I don't know, Stacey, what's your thoughts on all that? Uh, I, I, I don't know, except for to say that, like, because I think one of your other questions was, like, do you go to the person? Yeah. And I, I feel like, no. Like, it's a you thing. Like, you need to deal with it. Um, because I think then you're going to make it weird, right? Right? Weird. You're going to yeah. make it weird. Um, and then they're going to be like, oh, you know. I, well, I can't talk about my kids around them. I can't do this around them. I'm going to maybe block them from a social media post because I don't want them to feel X, Y, and Z. And so I just think it has to be like this internal um, process that you have to, you know, walk through. And then there might be, you know, someone else that you can go to and talk to, um, uh, you know, about those feelings. So, yeah, but being truly honest with yourself, yes. this is about me. <laughs> it's not about them. They got that thing because they worked hard and they got the thing, you know. Well, and or, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, um, like an iceberg. You're yeah. only, I mean, yes, yes. you're their friend, but you, yes. you know, like let's say it's somebody, you know, who's a really awesome singer. Like you're seeing this part of their life. You don't yeah. see all this other yeah. <laughs> stuff, all their work, their years, yeah. their own journey. Yeah. You know, those different things. So. Well, and the reality is our journeys are, are just not the same. And there's a lot of things that are just going to be unanswered questions that, that, you know, you get in line as soon as you get to heaven to go get the, un, the unanswered questions file where Jesus is over there and he's going to explain it. We all got it. My Jeremiah 29, 29 file. Is that what that is? But I mean, honestly, there's plenty of people too that you could go look at our lives. If you, if you focus on this enough, if you fall prey, honestly, to this train of thought, you can go, but I worked just as hard as them and I did all the same things as them and they got it and I didn't, or this happened, you know, this happened and, and I didn't get this. There's plenty of injustice. And the, the answer that is just that there's, there's sin in the world, not that you sin, but other people can sin and that can impact your life, you know, and, and this is what it is. We live in a world with um, a Lord who allows us to be autonomous as individuals and make decisions. And we have an enemy who's constantly raging against us. So, you know, we have a number of factors that can make our lives just very different one from another. And I think that's one of the powerful things about when we are being authentic and we are being vulnerable with our friends and with other people in our lives is that you then create that space to share your truth, to share who you are and for them to be like, oh, you know, like, oh, I didn't realize if you really sat down with someone who you've been jealous over on social media and you heard about their life or heard about what they got through to get there, it's like, oh, it wasn't super easy for you. Oh, your journey's going to be different than mine. And, and that's okay. And what that really looks like to walk in someone's shoes. And that's why what was so important for me when starting my ministry was I'm like, I'm realizing there's a lot of women who feel like they're completely alone in something. And when I just step out and share my story, they can go, me too. Oh, me too. I'm actually not alone in this. And all going through all of that, the jealousy goes away. The intimidation can go away. And just being vulnerable and honest. And, you know, we're getting close on our time here. But I'm just curious if you could talk about what does grace look like in friendship? What does it look like to walk with friends going through different seasons of life, different trials, different 
chapters, like you say, and maybe conflict with each other and disagreements, what does it look like to just have grace? Um, I, one of my favorite, uh, she's a neuroscientist. Her name is Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And um, she said yesterday um, on, uh, on Instagram, if a friendship isn't one that you are willing to have those hard, crucial conversations with, I'm paraphrasing, by the way, because she's way more brilliant than me, um, then it wasn't worth your energy to begin with. And if it's a friendship that is meaningful, um, then, um, then you need to be willing, you know, to go that mile with them if there's like conflict. Um, but sometimes you have to walk away from friendships because they're toxic, you know, and you have to make that choice for yourself. But I think in anything, if it's, if it's worth fighting for, then, then fight for it. Um, and then I could get very social worky about I statements versus you statements yeah. and all those kinds of things and having a crucial conversation and the good that can come out of that. Um, but I just think, um, you know, we all need grace. None of us are perfect. Um, um, and there's, there's something really beautiful that can come out of a hard time, right? Like uh, a seed actually dies before it grows. Right. And so you might have a season or a friendship or a word was said, or, you know, a statement was made or someone stepped on your toes and, you know, you were hurt in a, in something, um, something beautiful can actually, you know, come from that. Um, but again, that's going to be a lot of that internal work. You can't ever change somebody else. It is impossible to change somebody else. You can only focus on you. Um, and so I just think if it's worth it, then, then go there with it. Um, and if, it, if you're not willing to, then it probably wasn't worth your energy to begin with. So I'll say something. It sounds like it's contrasting. It's not quite. By the way, I totally agree with that last part. Um, but I have friendships where um, for as much as I seem like I'm being totally a straight shooter, I have friendships where I just... I'm just looking and listening going, yeah, I'm just going to let that one go. I can see what's going on with them. And I'm they're in this. I can see what they're dealing with and I'm just going to leave it there. You know, like there's more diplomacy that's going on in my head. I'm going to I'm like, I'm going to be the diplomat here and let that fly. Just let it go. Now, I don't let things that are harmful to me or toxic or whatever. But um, if I feel like, well, that ended up being all about them. But that was OK this time. I think they needed it. We're just going to leave it there. Or I don't address certain things. I don't have the kind of relationship, even with my mother. I have one sister and I have my mother. We're all very, we're extremely close. We're also extremely polite. We don't have the kind of mother-daughter relationship where we criticize each other, we get after each other. or any. We don't talk like that in our family. So I'll sit and sometimes my sister will be talking about something and she's frustrated and I just listen. And I'm like, yeah, I can see she was frustrated that that happened in my life, but I'm just going to let that be. She doesn't, I know why she's struggling with what she's struggling with. I'm her sister and I don't need to point that out. I don't need to make, take offense. Certainly don't need to do that. That's a big one right there. And that comes with time and maturity. And I'm not saying I'm mature. I'm just saying some of that stuff you grow into. Uh, and so there are times when you just choose to stay silent. That's a huge one for me this year that the Lord is working on with me. That's our theme apparently this year. I'm not a person that picks a word every year, but boy, did he start to literally, I, I can go multiple times in a week where I'm like, when to speak, when to stay silent, when to speak, when to stay silent. This is happening in my head. And I'm like, so I'm not going to say that thing. Actually, I'm just going to wait. 
And then maybe there will be a chance where it's a better, more receptive time and I'll say the thing, or maybe it never will happen and I need to be okay with that. But letting him be my guide more. And so I think in friendships too, I am less a person to just say the things and get in their face or whatever. I'm more like, well, we'll see how this plays out. And if they keep being this way, I may just fade away. Life is too short for that. And that's why my friend circle is, is small. I keep quality friendships. And if they get to be too difficult, I'm a little less apt to hold on to them. If, if I'm like, yeah, we're going in two different directions at this point. And I'm just going to, I don't need to make a big deal of it. We don't need to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just going to fade away. And if they are fine with that, then if they faded away too, then they were apparently fine with that. <laughs> but I, I appreciate the different look because I think you can hold both of those. I, I think, think it, it's, yeah. it's a both and. That's yes. like my favorite phrase. Some, oftentimes things are both ands. It's not right or wrong. It's not one way or another. But oftentimes it's a both and. Yeah. Because you, there are those relationships where something is said and you're like, mm, just let that sign. All right. You know, just kind of okay. But then there's others where you're like, I'm actually emotionally hurt by that. So we need to have this conversation and understanding that and just and there's going to be moments where you're like, I just have a need to give a little extra grace because I know what she's walking through. I know what that looks like. Now, does that mean that they're going to be if your friend is being verbally abusive to you and rude and toxic that you just like sit there and take it? No. But really just looking at how do I give this friend grace right now in this season? What do they need from me? Is this a time where we need to talk about things or do I need to just kind of just be sitting and praying for what she's going through. But we could talk about this for hours. I feel like we could totally talk about this. Was this helpful? Was this good? Good. Let's give him a hand. Wow, wasn't that such a good conversation? I I truly just loved everything that Stacy and Amy had to say. And even sometimes when their views were the same, sometimes they were different. Just that varying opinions on what friendships look like still goes back to that core of what everyone is looking for in that friendship is somebody that they can trust, that they feel valued in that relationship, that they feel like they can pour into them and be poured into back. And I just really appreciated the honesty that both Amy and Stacy had to share and loved my conversation with them. And I hope you did too. What I really hope is that you would share this with a friend. If maybe something sparked in your mind and you said, oh, so-and-so in my life really needs to hear this. She's been battling with her friendships or something along those lines. Definitely share it. Word of mouth is the best way for people to get to know podcasts. So we always appreciate it as well. But if you missed this last year's Living In Conference, do not worry. There is going to be another one. I cannot wait to to start planning to get thinking of what this theme is going to look like. Just like this year, we were talking about living in our friendships. What is it going to look like to live in a different area of our lives? So stay tuned for that. If you aren't following me at heartofthebrave.com, I would encourage you to hop onto the website and subscribe so you're on our email list and you never miss an update of one of these episodes or when another live event is coming up. We always appreciate the people that are tuning in and staying up to date with all that we have in store. But thank you again for spending your time with me today and have a great rest of your day. 